Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues. Today's topic is coming out as an adult. How do we do it? Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. I'm here with Aisha. Hello, friends. And you're listening to Kind of <laughs> Dating. Um, you know, we we got a whole bunch of PSA public service announcements to share. And they are, did you tell a friend about the podcast? Because that's how podcasts grow, is those five-star ratings and reviews, which are very important to us, subscribing to the podcast, and then telling your friends. Um, please help us grow and, uh, do that if we've helped you. Um, also follow us on social media cause you know, that shit matters. So we're at kind of dating across the board. Um, I am at Natasha Chandel, uh, official on <laughs> Facebook, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel on Instagram, um, where I'm doing, uh, Instagram lives on Sundays and Thursdays. So follow me there. And then Aisha. I am at Aisha Says Dance on all the social media networks. So come hang out with me. Because she's way less complicated. And uh, you have an awesome Instagram feed. So follow her. Um, Okay. (laughs) We are jumping into an all-important topic. um, And we have our friend back with us. I'm just going to call Dr. James our friend because he is a board-certified nurse practitioner medical contributor for CBS, Fox, Sirius XM, and creator host of the online community, Ask the NP. I love that he is a proud biracial and queer man ready to help us figure out this all-important topic. Um, guys, welcome Dr. James Simmons. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Thanks so back. lovely. Well, thank you for having me back. And I'm so glad you called me friend. That's awesome. Yay. Yes. I feel like you're part of the kind of dating family uh, now. Why? Thank you very much. Like you're, <laughs> you have a frequent guest, Vinny, right? Vinny is off this yes, like, part Vince. of the family. Yes. Vince, is that it? Yeah. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. Vinny, uh-huh. Vinny. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. We want you back for sure. You are <laughs> sure. so fucking awesome and uh, and such great energy. So, uh, and we already asked you in the last episode, single or in a relationship, and you have been off the market for a while. <laughs> for a minute, right? I cannot believe we're coming up on eight years. And uh, it's very funny. We just got to tell somebody the other day, we did the like physically distant, responsible, someone in the backyard thing, right? Yes. And we've known this other couple for a while, but they didn't know how we met. And that's what triggered the eight years. I'm like, oh, we're coming up on eight years because we met on Martin Luther King weekend in Vegas at 3 a.m. at a club. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I know like January's close. Like we're almost at eight years. And can you believe that, you know, we get to say the stupid line, what happened in Vegas did not stay in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a cute line. I love yeah, it. Yeah. It, 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 um, okay. So, so this episode is very important. You know, on the show, we tend to talk a lot about, uh, admittedly heterosexual relationships. Um, and, and I've been trying to be very mindful of the fact that that's not the shared reality of everybody anymore. Hmm. And especially, now, as people are identifying uh, with a host of new, um, you know, gender and sexual orientations, I want to, I really want us to discuss more of, of other experiences uh, because I think um, people are starting to discover themselves more. And as a result of that, there's a lot of people coming out. And I, when I say coming out, I don't mean, cause you know, again, we're always so used to thinking coming out gay, coming out <laughs> lesbian, right. but it's like the whole spectrum of what we kind of discussed in the last, last episode of LGBTQIA plus. And, and there's a lot more people uh, doing it in an older age because I don't even think most people knew that there was an option before. And <laughs> right. I, and I know that um 
you know, this experience uh, can be really tough. Uh, mm-hmm. And so some of our friends are also going through it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really want us to, and so I'm, I just want to thank you for being here to kind of help us navigate. Of course, some of, of course, my, my pleasure. I, you know, it is really tough for a lot of people, but I, I think that you, you've, you've really hit on something that there are so many people later in life who are coming out as whatever, <laughs> right? Like, and they're coming out with a different sexuality than what society says you should be. And that, uh, so heterosexual or homosexual strictly there's, we've learned okay. that there's a spectrum, right. Of lots of different things. Also, and sometimes very confusing to a lot of people is especially the kids these days, man. And I get to say kids now because I'm squarely into my 40s. But the kids these days get that gender is also a spectrum. And you're right. When right. we were younger, there just weren't there just weren't options. You were a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. That is it. Mm-hmm. And now the kids are like, cool with like gender fluidity. And that also has a coming out process to it. And so sometimes people might have a gender sex identifying coming out and a sexuality coming out and uh, both. (laughs) And it sometimes can be really confusing and difficult and hard, especially I think it's especially when you're when you're older, right? When you've maybe like established a family or, you know, people have come to know who you are at 37 years old and then you you throw the it's not about them, but you throw other people for a loop, but that's part of what makes it hard. Did you know that kind of dating now has merch? Yep. We collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can speak to this. Um, I'm 31. Um, and then for like the past year or so, when I've sort of realized that, oh, I'm not, I'm not as straight as I thought I was. So I'm like <laughs> definitely on the like, I guess, bi, pan, queer spectrum somewhere. But like as an older person figuring this out, there was a lot of like, oh, well, now I have to like question, you know, my whole life before. Now I have to come out to my family. And are people even going to believe that like this is real? Do I believe Mm. this is real? So like there's just been like a lot of like, you know, questions and confusion about it. But um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting time. (laughs) You you just went through Exactly everything that everyone that has to come out about anything goes through, right? You just had all the questions <laughs> right there. Do I even believe this? Is my family going to believe this? All the first of all, welcome, congratulations. I think that's you. You have taken the biggest leap. the 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 hardest part is that, like, hmm, I'm not right. like fully straight, am I? <laughs> huh. Ah, shit. <laughs> what do I, you're right. That, jumping that line, dr- mm-hmm. driving to that store, marching in that parade, whatever it, whatever analogy you want to use, that is the hardest part. So congratulations, you, you, you have done that. Yes. <laughs> and one of the things that might be the most scary, now we're later, we'll talk about resources and where people can go and communities, all that stuff. But one of the things that will continue to inform this for you and your experience is, is those experiences. So the the good and the bad, because you'll have a great experience almost categorically. And let, please let, let the listeners know if this has happened to you, but like there'll be that one person who you're like, this person is never going to get it. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're not going to get it. They don't understand. They're going to throw the Bible at me and tell me to do X, Y, and Z and whatever. And they will shock you. They'll be like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's great. And you're like, wait, I was all ready for you to be, you know, like crazy and wild or whatever. (laughs) And then sometimes conversely, and what is really distressing for a lot of people is that person we talk about, I got you, right? That person who is like, I got you for life, like your ride or die girlfriend or whatever from junior high might trip a little, right? Might Mm -hmm. be a little bit like, you know, 
what does that mean? And, and in today's world, in a lot of ways, they eventually come around, but there are still way too many unfortunate incidences, you know, where people don't come around and it's, it's, it's something we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And that questioning, right? Like Aisha, have you had anybody say, or is it more in your, in your fear that people would be like, ah, you're not really that, right? It's probably just because you haven't dated in a while and you don't, you know, you're feeling whatever. Like, have you had anybody sort of say that yet? I mean, it's mostly been positive. I will say when I like finally came out to my dad, he was like, oh, well, you're an LA girl. So obviously, so <laughs> like, I don't know. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Like as in so he attributed like it to like, oh, you're just trying to fit into this community and society. Like, oh, you're part of this very left liberal. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. It's like a Los Angeles girl ride of passage or some right. shit. I don't know. But <laughs> right. That's yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Dr. James, in your experience, is it harder for people to tend to come out? Uh, so here as an adult, or is it easier because you have more tools and awareness and maybe confidence than a younger person, you know, coming out in their teens or even younger mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think um, <clears throat> what, what defines easy and what defines hard is the actual question mm-hmm. here. So the, the, mm-hmm. when you're younger, you probably are not in a long-term committed relationship. You get the pass of, people at least being patient with you because they might think you're exploring some things or you're learning. Most older people or even people of the same age can relate to, let's say being 16 and you're just kind of exploring your sexuality in general, like, like sex in general, let alone your sexuality. So if you kind of come out at 16, you know, I think people can be like, Oh yeah, you know, I was a little confused at 16 too. Not that people are confused, but they, that's where their brain might go so that it's easier for the people around you to sort of accept what's going on. But you don't usually have financial commitments, kids, a marriage, mm-hmm. a, a higher profile job, things like mm-hmm. that, right? Versus where if you are in your 30s, a lot of folks by the time they're in their 30s, married kids, that picket fence life, a mortgage, couple, two, three car notes, right? The kids are, you know, however, eight, 10 years old, they have all this stuff going on and they have squarely made this identity for themselves that they have to first blow up for themselves. And then mm-hmm. it gets blown up for everyone around them. And what that is, and I'm sure Aisha, you're experiencing this to some degree, experiencing this is that every time it gets blown up for someone else, it gets reblown up for you. So you're just reliving that over and over and over again. Now I will say in terms of, you know, one of the, for, for people listening right now, if you are this person who is questioning anything and you, you're younger, the Trevor Project is an unbelievable resource. Um, they do some incredible work for LGBTQIA+, tend to be younger folks, so 25 and under. They have resources for everyone, but so the Trevor Project does a survey every year and, and they work with the National um, Lifeline Project. The national, it used to be the National Suicide Hotline. It's now called the National Lifeline Project, and several other organizations to identify the statistics around um, suicidality and depression in queer youth. Um, and I'm just for the sake of conversation, we'll use the word queer to sort of encompass everyone. Okay, um, everyone who at least doesn't identify as straight. And you know, the suicide rates are four to five times higher. Um, at least attempts in suicide for for queer youth. So we don't find that to be the case for queer adults. They're twice as high, but they're not four to five times as high. So when we talk about what's harder or easier, I think the emotional stability sometimes that can come with being 37 years old and being like, oh shit, I think I'm gay. Or, you know, if it's a gender identity, thing that oh, I think I'm trans or whatever. Okay. And, and, and now I'm ready to deal with that. Right. Most people have known this for a long time. It's just, when are they ready to tell the world? So we see less suicidality. We see less depression with it, but what we see is more families blown up. 
<laughs> right? In older age. Right. So versus the younger ones where there's less of sort of a family issue involved, but we see a lot more younger people get displaced from homes. We see a lot more homelessness in youth. We see a lot more depression and suicidality. We see a lot more um, uh, abuse of drugs of abuse. Um, so not even just like marijuana and cigarettes, but like hard drugs and alcohol. Um, so <laughs> that was the depressing part of the show, <laughs> but also the very like real part of, yeah, yeah, you know, what are, what are some that. of the challenges for, for coming out? So I think that, you know, we're specifically talking about folks coming out who are, who are older. And I think there are some, there's actually maybe some benefits to being able to do that, at least in terms of the like access to resources and emotional fortitude, Aisha, I'm sure you're having to go through this too, the emotional fortitude that it takes to like come out and talk to people about it. Yeah, it was definitely easy for me to be like, all right, well, this is what it is. But the harder part was, all right, then going on and telling people basically. So, yeah. Well, you just told a whole bunch of people on a podcast. Yeah, I told all of us. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm so proud of you. Well, you know, coming back to this, like sort of the the dating aspect of it. So if what's sort of the first thing that somebody who has newly come out or or are exploring um, and they want to get into the dating pool, like should they sort of take time off first and like wrap their brain around kind of what's happening or jump in there and explore? Um yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of getting messy. Um, I think I think we have to. All of the, I mean, I feel like we have to put an asterisk on all of this right now with COVID. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. like, yes, yeah. I'm I'm not as much of a fan of people getting messy online as I am getting messy mm-hmm. in person. So I think what you know we can sort of equate this back to let's say a 15 or 16 year old again, who we are assuming is straight, uh, cisgender, and heterosexual. Y'all know what cisgender means, by the way? I use that word, but I'm not. Can you explain do, it to but, me? Yeah. I know. I think Art. I know, but then I'm also like, sometimes I'm like, wait, do You're I like, know? Do I know? So if, if transgender is someone not identifying with the genitalia that they were born with. So I was born with a penis. I was assigned male at birth. I identify as male, as a man. That's cisgender. I have a penis. I was assigned male at birth. But if I felt like a woman, if I felt like I was not assigned the right gender at birth, that I did, this body is not correct, that's trans. And I'm way oversimplifying, but just so everyone gets it. Yeah. So cisgender is people who identify with the gender they were assigned at birth and generally speaking, the genitalia that they possess. So I'm cisgender because I'm all three, right? I have a penis. I was assigned male at birth. I identify as a male. Trans people identify opposite of what they were assigned at birth, okay? So let's say you have a 15 or 16-year-old cisgender, heterosexual, 16-year-old female. As long as she's being safe, our society says, go on and date. Meet this boy. Get your heart broken for the first time so you learn. Then you'll grow. Then you'll learn what you like, what you don't like, how to keep stupid boys off of you in college, whatever. One of the fun things about coming out when you're older is that you kind of get to relive that a little bit, but in a, <laughs> in a way that probably feels much better for you, much more natural for you. And we see that. We see a lot of people who come out, particularly if they sort of do the the coming out we're, that we're typically thinking of. So cisgender individuals who identified as straight for a long time and now come out as gay. We see sort of a, they go back to acting like they're in high school again or college. So you'll see a 43-year-old man out at the club every night doing this and that, you know, going through their hoe phase. At, <laughs> right, at age 43. Uh, and you're like, I can't believe this 43-year-old is doing all that. Well, it's pretty good guess that that person is getting messy, trying to figure out what they like, what they don't like. And that's not everyone's experience, but it's, it's a very common experience for people who uh, come out later in life. So I think to answer your, it's a very long-winded uh, answer to your question, but I think the, the answer to your question about, should I take some time off and sort of figure out who I am and where I fit? I think it's a parallel path. 
I think you continue to figure out where you are and, and work on your self game while also like, if you want to be in a relationship and if you want to date, I think you got to get out there and you got to know that it's going to be a little awkward sometimes. It's going to be a little weird, but so is dating. Very true. I, I also, I love that, that you gave that example that, you know, for a cisgender female at 16, like they would, uh, they would say, Hey, get out and explore. And we don't think the same way for people who identify as as anything else. Mm -hmm. So I I like that. I like that. Just taking that concept. Um, So I have a friend who uh, came out as an adult, um, cisgender gay, and he, uh, you know, has, has come out to his family, but struggles a little bit because some people, and then this was um, how it was explained to me that some people identify so much with their gender sexual identity. I am this, and you know, the whole like out and proud kind of thing. And he is out and he's proud, but he's not a visible type of person. Like he's just not that kind of personality in general. And so sometimes he feels a bit of shame and this idea of like, do I have to act a certain way when I come out? Like, um, because yeah, I think, you know, that, that like, Oh, embrace it. And, and he's like, I embrace it, but in like my own kind of way. So like, how do, how do people deal with um, with that aspect of like, yeah, I'm out. I just, it's not, I don't wear it on my sleeve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a really lovely place for a lot of people to be. And a lot of people really truly live there. Um, my only concern is that when people live there and judge others who don't, when, when they're, and this is, this is either side. So, you know, I sort of took a route of like, <laughs> Everyone likes to joke that the second I stepped off that graduation stage at high school, I burnt the closet door down because I was flaming so much. Like, <laughs> but that's just me. Like, y'all are getting a taste of James right now. Like, I have a big personality. I have a lot of energy. Like, I'm a super goofball. Like, I'm whatever. And I just knew that my path had to be like, I'm out and gay and proud and y'all can kiss my big black ass. And that's not always appropriate in every scenario, right? I've had to learn as I've aged, like sometimes you got to dial it back and sometimes you got to have conversations with people and meet people where they are and, you know, all this stuff. So it would not, you know, being, it would be incumbent upon me to not judge someone who has a different experience with it. Sometimes what I see in the community though, is that there's a holier than thou kind of thought process about this. Like I'm gay. It's it's kind of like when the when you hear people say, I don't mind if you're gay, just don't kiss your man in front of me, kind of thing. Sometimes right. you have gays who will think the same thing. And I say gays, I should say queer people, whatever, whatever scenario we're talking about. Sometimes you'll have those individuals who will be that way. Well, I'm out and I'm proud. I just choose not to display it. Great for you. Don't judge those who do, because now I obviously have some biases here. But it's the representation. We know representation matters a big time. There is a reason Kamala, as a Black and Indian woman, as a vice president, means so much other than the fact that she was clearly the most qualified. She's the most qualified person to be president. But she was the most qualified person for the job. But her representation racially matters a lot. Representation for the big flaming out crazy people like me matters a lot because it does, it has done the work to create the space for your friend to be able to be out and live comfortably and feel probably mostly safe, but not have to be big and public about it. So Mm -hmm. I actually love that we are in a place where people can do that. And, and find that balance of I can be out and proud, but I'm not like wearing it on my sleeve. As long as that doesn't come at the cost of, of bringing the movement back or judging those who, who do, you know, like to be out and proud. And this is a big, 
this is a big deal. This it doesn't sound like your friend is this way, but I will say that in no. in the gay male community, there's a really big thing about being macho acting or or mm-hmm. masculine acting um and sort of fitting this mold of like well I look like a straight dude I talk like a straight dude I act like a straight society's version american society's version of a straight mm-hmm. dude I dress like a straight dude I do all these things but like I get fucked in the butt <laughs> like yeah. there's nothing less straight than getting right. fucked in the butt <laughs> yeah. so it's this like these antiquated notions of like what it means to be a man and mm-hmm. to be masculine just for, for gay men is what I'm talking about here. That starts to play into all of these things. And what you get is individuals who are still coming to a certain level of comfort with their own gender identity and their sexuality and when they're confronted with something that is opposite of what they are, but the opposite, but the same. So I'll use Jonathan Van Ness, for instance, who identifies as queer and uses pronouns them now. But even before, when Jonathan identified just as gay and used pronouns him, uh, people were like, oh, he's too femi. They didn't want to be associated yeah. with that because that's not what society says men are supposed to act like. And so you get in this weird headspace of like, well, I'm gay, but I feel like I have to act like what society will like so that they will love and accept me more and make this whole coming out thing easier. That tends to be a bigger challenge for people who come out later in life because they've spent 37 years playing this role. Whereas, I, you know, I mentioned the kids earlier. The kids are 21 and they're like... I don't have, we have friends who have a 14 year old right now who is like, I don't have a pronoun. I don't have a sexuality. I don't have a gender. They, they prefer they, so they just are just living their life. And I think Mm -hmm. it's great. I think it's amazing and wonderful, but like, think about if you just had to fit this mold of like being this dude until you were however long or Aisha, you know, you had to fit this mold of being like, I'm assuming a cisgender woman who dates men and now you're 31 Mm -hmm. and you're like, hold up, wait a minute. You know, this is different. That's, that's really tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, br- and bringing it to that, because like Aisha, I know you said before that figuring it out and like maybe bisexual and then pansexual and like that, I, I think uh, I definitely want to ask about the bisexual community because I believe that they get a lot of flack. Like my friend identifies as bisexual and the, my, you know, who I said gay, but, but he really identifies as bisexual, but he gets yelled at a lot um, because, you know, the gay community is like, no, you're gay. And then, and, or, <laughs> well, then what are you attracted to everybody? Right. Um, does that mean you're, does that mean bisexual people are all pansexual? And, uh, and so I want to, you know, Freeform also had a great video um, where it was like weird questions I could ask to people who are bisexual. Um, and some of them were these. So, uh, you know, can you sort of demystify and sort of uh, how can, how can uh, people who identify as bi like sort of navigate some of this? It's really hard. I feel like of the whole, I know we talked about asexual people in a previous episode, but I LGBTQIA, I feel like the bees at least from a sexuality, right? I would even argue that we need to have a different conversation about trans folks because that's a gender identity, not a sexuality thing. But knowing that, I feel like the bees got it the worst sometimes because both sides are like, well, you're not really bisexual. You just had, you just kissed that girl in college and when you were drunk, you thought it was cute. Or, you know, the gays, and full disclosure, I have been one of those gays in the past who was like, you're not you're not bi. You're just not ready to be fully gay. Because a lot Mm -hmm. of people, myself included, found it easier to tell people that I thought I was bi when I was younger to make sure they felt comfortable. Like the straight, you know, and again, I grew up in Nebraska. I went to my, I did my undergrad in Iowa. This was in the nineties. Remember I'm old. So (laughs) in the mid nineties, they had just hung Matthew Shepard on a fence post in Wyoming. And here is my 
fat brown ass in Iowa trying to tell people that I'm knowing that I'm gay. That burning down the doors as I walk through the hallways in college, right? Because I just flame on everywhere I go. So I knew that people knew. And I, it seemed like for the most part, they didn't care. But I, I, I thought, well, it's going to be easier for all these cis, het, white folks to digest if I say I'm bi. That's a, a lived experience for a lot of gay people. So then we, we all do this as humans, but inappropriately, we take our lived experience and we place it on other people and decide that that also needs to be their lived experience. So this is why you get a lot of gay folks who are like, you ain't bi. You're just waiting to be gay. You know, you're just on the path to being gay. Well, there are people who are bi. There are a lot of people who are bi. And it does not mean that when they are having sex with you, they're fantasizing about (laughs) having sex with someone else of a different gender. Let's just make that explicitly clear. It is just like a gay, uh, heterosexual, anybody having sex, they're having sex with you because they want to have sex with you because they're attracted to you. (laughs) And sometimes that's someone of the same gender. And sometimes that's someone of opposite gender. And sometimes that's someone who is transgender. Welcome to pan world. You know, like it doesn't matter. They're attracted to this person and bisexual people. It it's not a 50, 50 thing either. It tends not to be. And I think that's another misnomer that we'll, we'll kind of demystify here. It is not, you know, I, I think in a previous episode, I used Brad Pitt and Lupita Nyong'o. Like, <laughs> they are not staring at Brad Pitt and Lupita Nyong'o and like, I can't decide, so I'm just going to fuck both of them and just be a rabid, <laughs> crazy person, like, or just fucking everybody that moves. Like, no, that's not, that's not how that works, right? They may find things about Lupita and find things about Brad Pitt attractive in different ways and different moods. And it's, I think the biggest thing, though, to just remember is that we take other people's experience and we put our own norms and values on them. And so when we hear that someone else is bisexual, we immediately put ourselves, and I will say for the sexual community, asexual people don't do this, for the sexual community, we take that person and we put ourselves in bed with them. I'm fucking her. Is she thinking the whole time about the cute grocery clerk at Ralph's? You know, like, and then our insecurities pop up and then it becomes about us when really the whole time Aisha's telling us she's bi. Not that it's about, it's not about me. (laughs) It's about Aisha. Does that make sense? But the thing that's funny to me is like, I don't, I've never even understood why anybody would ask that question to me it's like what you just said it's more about the other person's insecurity because that's like me saying okay fine I'm in a hetero relationship but I'm questioning so what you're into women that means when I'm when you're fucking me you're thinking about another woman like that's just me being insecure and jealous and like why does it why would we think that just because somebody is bisexual that they're attracted to fucking everybody or you know like I have friends who um uh, I've gotten shit on before about this that I've said like, or a few of my exes have been black before. So people have been like, oh, so you're into black guys. I'm like, well, I'm into people, but if somebody's black and I happen to like them, that's that's what it is. But then every black person who walks in the rooms, they're like, so hey, oh my god, like that guy. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong oh with my you? God. Ew. Weird to me. Can we do a whole <laughs> episode about this, please? I know. I- <laughs> Because yeah. it is really a thing. I'm actually glad to hear that it is also a thing in straight land because I thought it yeah. was just a thing in gay land. Because every time you, there'll be one person who is not black, doesn't matter what race they are, but if they're not black and they have dated one black person one time in the past, that's it. Every time yep. any black person walks in, it could be the guy, the the Dave Chappelle's crackhead character could walk yes. in and they'll be like, ooh, look at that. Look at that piece of chocolate over there. You like that? Exactly. I'm like, first of all, there are so many problematic things with what you just said. I right. thought this was like a uniquely gay experience. So I'm actually very glad, Natasha, no, to hear that no, it's straight not. folks and be like, racist too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. But like, that, that's that idea. Like, it never made sense to me of like, I would never even think about if somebody said, hey, you're bisexual meant... So every fucking person in this room is 
now suddenly on the table. I'm like, you're just fucking insecure. Right. That's what the, it's really about is right. that you think you fucking suck and everybody's your competition. It's like, know yourself at that point. Yeah. One, 100%. And there's also this thing with, um, by men in general that I know like a lot of straight women are like, oh no, I would never date a bi dude because, you know, he's not bi, like, I don't know, because he really gay, you know, some shit like that. Um, so there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of... That that message. came up on that. Did you watch that um, Love is Blind show on Netflix? Oh, yes. Yeah, that yeah. That came up there. I thought, and I, I I got asked about this quite a bit. And that I thought that it was less that about him being bi and more about how he handled the situation. He just- I was just going to say, exactly. I, think, I think his timing was way Yeah, off. he handled it very poor. I thought she was, pro- she was- I mean, it was a little bit of a shock yeah. because of the timing, right? But I think she was eventually like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So to me, it was like, it, it, I think it, her her reaction was pretty normal. And he was like, well, you just need to be okay with the right now. And she's like, all right, just give me a fucking she's second. Like, you just yeah. hold, hold up. Right. <laughs> you also like proposed to me. So like, could you have let me know that first? You know, <laughs> like. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Aisha, I know you had a question um, that we were discussing before about like the idea of experience and and or inexperience and sort of the things that go, you know, the feelings. Right. Yeah, I guess like how do um, us older coming out or whatever <laughs> people, I guess, navigate the uh, insecurities behind like not being experienced. It's like, oh, you're an older person, but you haven't done this before. Like I run into that shit a lot. So like what? <laughs> A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Like my friends who are going through that, that was like their big thing is they hadn't yet had sexual experience with who they were, who they have now accepted that they are actually sexually attracted to and have come out as that. And, and then they want to date, but then somebody that they are dating is way more experienced and either want something to happen super fast that they're not ready for or or they want to get there, but they're just not there. It's like baby steps, you know, like I can understand, like even when just everybody else uh, having a very societally accepted experience mm-hmm. had to go through that. Like it took me a long time before I had sex with somebody the first time. Now it's like, fuck that shit. But, you know, in the beginning, <laughs> I wait, I made my boyfriend a four years wait a year and a half because I was like gaining the the sort of confidence or whatever. And so I, I can I empathize because as an adult, how do you you don't want to wait a year and a half? Mm. No, no, you, do, <laughs> you don't want to wait in a year and a half. And nor do I think you have to. Uh, I think it can be a. Uh, I used this earlier, a parallel path approach. So while, you know, I'm a big fan, I said, of jumping out there and getting messy. I will say that there, there is a potential when you get messy, meaning you're dating, you're meeting people, you're out at bars are not great, but your social gatherings or whatever, I guess we can throw bars in there when they reopen. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're out there and you're just kind of getting to know the community and things like that. There, you can run the danger of having sort of traumatic sexual experiences, not in an assault sort of way, but in a, wow, that didn't go very well, you know? And then it can regress you a little bit. It can make you scared. So I think in an ideal world, there's, I will tell people from a sex standpoint, you kind of parallel path this in that, in your own sex, in your masturbatory sex, in your thoughts, in your visualizations, start to visualize how you want to have sex with a woman. Or, you know, whoever is listening to this, if you're a gay man, gay man, and you want to have sex with men, whatever, start imagining what that looks like for you. Start, I don't love porn. (laughs) There are, I wish I could list all the like responsible porn sites, but there Mm -hmm. are some sort of like responsible porn sites where you can, it's more about erotic. So I will say like, watch some erotic type of films. Don't watch porn. Porn is bad just to get an idea of sort of like how things work, right? How things happen. And then 
as you sort of start to visualize this, it's just like, like I'm a former athlete, right? And so like we literally would do act visualization exercises about our jump shots. And I swear to God, it made me a better three-point shooter because this, as that ball was coming to me, I was visualizing what I was going to look like when I would shoot it. And I became a three-point shooter. Like this is how that happens. So you start to visualize what sec, what you want that sex to look like. At the same time, if you can, and this is where if people get really lucky, if you can establish a relationship with someone that you think is just really cool, like you're just kind of down with that person and you feel safe with them, that is the most important thing. You know, I recommend to anyone who is starting to have a new type of sex with, with you know, coming out or whatever, don't have the drunken 3 a.m. bar sex. That sex is bad anyway, <laughs> but then it's definitely, you're not going to remember it. You're going to, it's going to be messy, right? It's going to be like a whole thing. Dick and like, not and the other version for girls. It's like, <laughs> you're like, what's going on? What goes in what hole? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> so, but if there's someone who you're like, I like this person and we've kind of made a connection and this is date three or four, and maybe we've had a couple of glasses of wine. So we're a little like loosened up or whatever, but you feel safe with that person then I think it is very okay to, to explore with them. And I, I'm a big fan, kind of like we talked about previously, I'm a big fan of sort of, of saying these things early on. Like I would not wait until your two glasses of wine and seven dates in and naked in the bed and then be like, oh, by the way, I've never done this before. Because that person is going to have some stuff to process through too. Like, do they feel like they have to be the one to give you the most amazing experience ever? Are they also, you know, if they're a really kind person, are they going to feel like that this is something that could traumatize you? Like if it goes bad, you know, like all these different things. Whereas while you're having that glass of wine, if you're really feeling this person, you could be like, okay, I've been thinking about you for a couple of weeks. Like I've been masturbating to you. I am really hot and bothered by you. Like we are about to do this. Now just just go a little patient, you know, just take your time, be cool, like whatever, have an edible beforehand so you're all relaxed or whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you approach it in that sort of way, I think that can be really, really relaxing for a lot of people rather than, you know, I know a lot of, of gay men in particular, cis gay men, when they come out, they just will like, like go out to the bar, find the first guy they think is cute and take him home and fuck him. And then it's just like, that sets the baseline for their sex for forever. And then that's, that's bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's bad. And, and what about people who are feeling fear around it? Like fear of what you just said, you know, going out and, and like they're just scared. They've never had, for example, you know, I, for lack of a better word, a, a dick up their butt, mm-hmm. you know, like they, like what, like that's just a real fear sure. some people have, like how, how can they overcome that? Because there's this mental stigma of like, I'm an adult. I should be okay with this, but I'm an, I'm a fucking girl. And I have to mentally like, you know, wrap my head around when like a guy tries to take it back there. I'm like, Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you're like, hold on. You know, take it easy. Right, right, right. So like, but if that's, I mean, I try to get, put myself in somebody else's shoes that like, that's gotta be a, a struggle when you want it. But right. you are are scared of of that experience. One hundred percent. This is why I think that that sort of parallel path thing can kind of work because they, you know, toys. If we're going to be very specific mm. about like butt sex, toys are a really that's, great option yeah, for anyone who likes to have receptive anal sex. Um, and, and there's there are literally training kits that are like small, tiny little like dildo things with like handles so you don't get them lost, right? And then they just like progressively (laughs) get a little bigger to the size of like a large penis or whatever. And you can use that as a part of your masturbatory experience. Get to know your own body. Get to know, Mm -hmm. you know, that there there are a lot of cis hetero men who like a finger or two up their butt. Because if you have a prostate Mm -hmm. and someone massages directly on that prostate, that feels very, very, very good. Well, if you are figuring that out on your own, you're then also going to be able to translate that to your first sexual experiences. So you're going to know, oh, I might actually like a penis up my butt because if it feels good with my finger, it might feel good with eight inches. 
and mm-hmm. that or four and a half, like who knows? And that could be, <laughs> you know, but if, if you are not exploring that on your own, it's tough to put that on one sexual situation. So I think that's why it's important to know it, watch, go on the internet. There are resources for this. Don't be afraid. I think people who work at really good, high quality, like toy shops, like really sex positive toy shops, which there, you know, uh, being in LA, there are lots of those around and we're really lucky to have that. You know, those listening might not be in LA, but they're certainly online for that. You can tell the difference between very sex positive resources and, and resources that are just all about like taking your money and, and people fucking. Um, and so you can walk yeah. in and be like, Hey, I've never had anything up my butt before. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. <laughs> and you know, and uh, this has happened to me and right, they just walk you right over and they're like, Oh, here's our entire collection of insertables. I recommend you start with this one over here. It's soft. It's pliable. It's da 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 da. Like you can blow it up. You can blow it down. Like all of these things, those those resources are there. And then I really do think a connection is key when it comes to the actual other person. I, I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough that it's it's better for you to have sex with a friend of a friend who you've met at a dinner party several times and you guys have kind of kikied a little bit and gotten to know each other so that you feel safe with them rather than the ridiculously hot girl at the Abbey, right? Like, because eh, ridic- ridiculously hot girl isn't, she is not caring about you. She wants to fuck you that night, you know? Yeah. That's uh, some great tips in there. Um, You know, how, do you have any advice for people who are, who are just starting to question their sexuality and specifically also maybe people of color? Cause I think Mm. there's an, an added, um, I don't want to say, you know, added, but there are certain communities where, it is very frowned upon. Um, I think Indian, the black community, mm-hmm. Latino community, mm-hmm. people can can really feel a lot more. It's a fear. It's definitely you're right. It's definitely a different experience. Um, you know, at least here in the United States or North America, I guess. And if you are a people of color, a people of color, a person of color, and I guess that's right. If you are a people of color, I feel like a preacher. If you are a people of color and and you have what is different, you know, you're not fully heterosexual, right? We'll even just leave it there because there's, you know, we all know that this is this is a spectrum. This is tremendously difficult, particularly in the time of COVID, because mm-hmm. in person there are very specific types of things that you can do. So, so like, I actually think interest groups are one of the best ways for anyone of any age to meet people and to start to understand what a community looks and feels like. So, you know, I mentioned I was an athlete before. I've played like a thousand different sports, but all of my best gays in my life for the last 20 some odd years have come from, I've met them all in sports or friends of people I've met in sports. And so if you have any of that, when we come back online with that, which my guess would be sometime the end of next spring. So hold tight until then. (laughs) We're getting there. Join, (laughs) Join a dodgeball team. Join, join the a tennis club. These things are very easy to find online. And it's literally like the Gay and Lesbian Tennis Association or like, you know, the Gay Dodgeball League, like whatever. You don't know how to play dodge. You don't need to know how to play dodgeball or tennis or volleyball or any of those. You just sign up and go be around people and you will find very, very, very quickly. Haha. Like in LA, for instance, there, I'm not kidding you. There are more than a thousand Latinos that play in the Gay Softball League here in LA. So if you are like, all right, I'm Ecuadorian. (laughs) I just came out. Like I need to find my people. Sign up for the softball league. Like you don't need to know how to play. They have beginner teams. They, but what more importantly, there are social functions. There's a Mm -hmm. community around that. There's a little Facebook group for your softball team. There's all these different things, right? Because it is really important for you to connect with people who have your shared experience to learn what the cultural norms are, how to navigate that experience, how to learn and grow within that experience. You know, a lot of people of color tend to also be attracted to other people of color. 
Um, and so that's where you find individuals yeah. like that. You know, I think there's other things, you know, the, the gay men's chorus, there's knitting groups, there's like whatever, there's all these different things. The other thing I will tell people is that one of the quickest ways that you can get to know a community and the needs of that community and who's serving that community is to serve others and to really say, you know what, I'm going to get outside of myself a little bit. And it's not about me, I, I, but I know that this community has a lot of needs. We all have needs. So like, you know, homelessness in the LGBT community is huge. So there are so many organizations helping queer homeless individuals volunteer once a month. They always need help, right? Yeah, that's a great things, things like that, that just literally puts you out there in front of folks. All of a sudden you're going to start meeting people. And it's almost like going back to the old fashioned, like, how did you make friends in junior high? Well, I know you're 46 now, but you're going to, you know, <laughs> join the badminton league. Or whatever, because, you know, there's a bunch of folks playing badminton down at the West Hollywood Recreational Center every Thursday. And I'll be damned if those don't become, those folks don't become some of your best friends. And they're also Filipino or they're, you know, they're also like Chinese, like whatever, like you, and then you've sort of found your people and then made inroads from there. That's a great suggestions. And then, and, um, we have a couple more questions for you. Aisha, anything specific you want to? Well, I was going to say, what about, because we are still in COVID till spring, like, are there things that can be done now? Are there like online communities or? There there are on, okay. online communities for sure. You got to search a little bit and literally don't be scared to go into Google and be like, you know, Aisha, I'm going to put you on blast here, but don't be afraid to go into Google and be like, black bisexual women of LA. And just right. Right, see what <laughs> pops up. And there may be like, oh, we're doing this organizing over here or we're having this event or we're doing a Zoom happy hour. You would, people don't know what they don't know. And right. you would be floored at the number of different groups and organizations and things that are going on out there. I also think, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt to ask. Sometimes it doesn't hurt to mm-hmm. be like, Natasha, do you know any other black bisexual folks? Like, honestly, and even if Natasha totally. just can't rattle off 17 off the top of her head, it's going to put it front of mind for her. And if you put this front of mind for a, like two, three people, I promise you, someone will be like, oh my God, my coworker is one of the best people I know. She's amazing. Like, she does all this stuff and da 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 and whatever. Like, let me just like do a little E introduction for y'all. And then you become Instagram fans and ta da. Does that make sense? Sometimes you've got to be a little bit willing to put yourself out there. And I think it's even nice being in COVID that we don't have to rely on things like bars. You know, so I was trying real hard to leave the bars out of there. Like, I mean, we know that you can go find folks at bars and in, in places like LA, Chicago, Miami, New York, Atlanta, there are very specific, like, it's like, it'll be like black queer night at the Abbey, or it'll be like, you know, Latin women of Dallas, whatever at the, you know, like those things exist, but you're yeah. right. We don't live in them now. And even though I'm a, I'm an oddity, I met my man at a bar at 3 AM. I don't recommend the bars are a good place to find a real community. <laughs> well, I also, I also like that a lot of the suggestions, which, which shouldn't surprise us, but they're just things that, anybody would do as in the hetero sort of community would do, which is my single friends will hit, hit up, hit hit us up and be like, Hey, you got other single friends. Um, can you keep me in mind for if you meet a cute guy or cute girl or whatever? So I love that. It's like, yeah, it's all the fucking same. It's all the same. (laughs) It is. And it is all the same though, though it can be scarier, right? It totally. Sometimes you have to get past the point, like as a gay man, I, I, I know that the, every time I say gay man, gay man, most people listening to me think about me getting fucked in the butt. Like, let's just be honest, right? Mm-hmm. That's uncomfortable, right? That could be really, really difficult. So sometimes you don't want to go to your coworkers like, I know you said your cousin was gay, but like, you know, like, and then all of a sudden your coworker is thinking about her cousin having sex and you having, you know, like that's really, really difficult and uncomfortable, but you're right. There's no magic formula. There's no, I mean, Aisha, I'll call you later. Cause I'll tell you where to go get your card punched, you know, 
whatever. We get our little gay <laughs> license every year. I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, there's nothing magical about that, but it does take a different level of being able to put yourself out there that a lot of that most straight people don't, don't have to do. Yeah. And, uh, speaking of, you know, putting yourself out there, um, you sort of mentioned it in the last one, but I'll, I'll ask it again for this one. Should people tell dates up front what they are, uh, that they have newly come out or, or something like that? Or should they wait for a bit? Is there a time that, you know, it's tough. You should say it. <laughs> right. This one's tough. I think it's, it's the hardest on, on our bisexual friends and family for sure. Um, I think earlier is better. It's also going to tell you a lot about the other person. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. how they are willing to handle it. I, I will say that, you know, the focus of this episode is sort of like folks coming out as they're older. I think it's harder for us that are over 30. I think the kids, I keep saying the kids, I'm going to just say everyone 29 and under the kids worry way less about this. The kids are getting this. And so I'm really hopeful for the future that, you know, you know, kind of dating episode 3,497, 20 years from now is still, is going to be like, oh, well, yeah, my, you know, my husband's pan, like whatever, you know, it's like no big deal. Um, And so I do think discussing it earlier, like not, don't sit down at the restaurant and be like, hi, you know, nice to meet you. I'm by like, okay, <laughs> slow down. But like, I think earlier on is better. So you avoid that love is blind type of situation, right? Well, you're not 18 months down the road and you're like, well, the relationship before <laughs> you was a woman, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last question I have is as friends um, of, of our friends who are coming out, how can we support the journey? Um, people listening who might go on a date with somebody who is identifying as any anything that we're talking about. Um, how can we be more supportive uh, of the people in our lives? I think if the if the sort of galvanization of 401 years of slavery in this country that came to a head this year during the Black Lives Matter movement that persists, that continues, taught all of us something. It's that the, the what true allyship means and a, a true allyship often means work. And that's, that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people. It's really easy to like post, you know, a black square on Instagram or whatever. But like, if you are really truly trying to be an ally, there is work involved and there's probably uncomfortability involved. And that's okay. That's how we move forward with gender, with sexuality, with race, with all these things. And so I think taking a a lesson from that as we continue as an ally, the work is, oh, let me just let me do a little bit of research. My friend said that she's bisexual. Awesome. Okay. What does that mean? Like there are 11 billion YouTube videos, you know, go there, there's all kinds of Buzzfeed does a bunch of stuff about this. All these people, 11 things bisexual people want you to know. Well, while you're sitting on the toilet, you know, instead of scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> start watching that YouTube video. It's probably four minutes long. 11 things bisexual people want you to know. I guarantee you nine of those are something you never thought about as a straight person. Right. And you were like, Oh dang. Okay. Wow. Oh, I said that the other day. Whoops. I, Okay. Let me remember to apologize for that. Or let me just at least remember to not say it again in the future or whatever. And then I think even just do it. That sounds so silly, right? Watch a YouTube video as part of doing work, but it is part of doing work. And then I think the, the other way to, to really to be an ally, and I know this, this is right on that gray line, but it's asking the person that you are supporting, like, I'm going to do my work. I'm going to learn all these things. I also want to meet you where you are with like what you need as your friend. So don't ask them to teach you. Don't ask them to do the work for you, but do ask them kind of what they need from you at that time. Cause there might be some folks who are like, I need you to teach me how to make that, you know, chili recipe that your grandma told, you know, like they might not need anything. And there might be someone else who is like, I cannot handle this. 
oh my God, maybe I'm not actually bisexual. I don't know what's going on, you know, and they're going to need to have a sort of different level of need. So I think just, you know, every person is different. Every situation is different. Be willing, if you're really going to be an ally, be willing to do a little bit of the work on your own and then also have a conversation with that person you're trying to support about where are they and what do they need from you? All wonderful advice, (laughs) Dr. James. Thank you so, so much for being on this episode. Like really, I think this was um, super helpful uh, for people, I hope, going through it and as well for friends like me. So thank you for uh, helping us understand a bit more. Thanks for having me. My, My pleasure. You are awesome. So tell everybody, you already did six questions. That's in your last, um, in the last episode about asexuality, guys. So make sure you uh, check that out. But uh, Dr. Simmons, how uh, do people find you? At Ask the NP, all over the social and on TikTok, I'm learning. Hey, Dr. James. <laughs> love it. Love it. Aisha, where does everybody find you? You guys can find me at Aisha Says Dance pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and guys, we are at kind of dating across the board. I am at Natasha Chandel on uh, Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Uh, remember Instagram lives on Sundays and Thursdays. So come check us out. Um, friends, thanks so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a second, tell a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd be so grateful. And also send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally. I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless, and our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.